The Apostle Paul was a deeply spiritual person. He saw visions, worked miracles, spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. He even wrote a part, actually a major chunk, of the Bible. But Paul was also a fan. He was a sports buff. You'd be surprised how many people in the Bible both loved God and were into sports. I jotted down a brief summary for you. Daniel played a while with the Lions. After a stint on the disabled list, Peter re-signed with the Saints. Silas played basketball for several seasons, but he was lousy at it. He was always traveling. A young lady, Delilah, she tried to play football, but after making a pass at Samson, she was penalized for clipping. (laughs) They get better from here. Don't worry. The deacons in Jerusalem played tennis. They all had outstanding serves. And I'm sure Paul was a UGA fan. To the Philippians, he said, and here's the chapter and verse, Philippians 3, verse 2, beware of them dogs. And we all know that God is a big baseball fan. The first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Noah led the league in doubles. Doubles? Noah? The prodigal son made a home run. David pitched and won against the Giants. He struck out Lucifer. I'm sorry, he struck out Goliath. If you're going to be corny, you want to get it right. He struck out Goliath. And Lucifer played for a few seasons with the angels before he got cut. And we all know that Jesus was a weightlifter. I'm living proof when he saved me, he lifted a dumbbell. Well, the Bible is full of sports-related analogies. And none is more vivid than these last verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Realize... The Greeks were into athletics. The capital of Greece, Athens, was the ancient home of the Olympic Games. But another Greek city, Corinth, 35 miles west of Athens, hosted the Isthmian Games, which at the time were even more prestigious than the Olympics. The Greek peninsula was a hotbed of athletic competition. And during the nearly two years that Paul spent in Greece, I'm sure he checked out more than a few events. Imagine Paul in the Isthmian Stadium. The sun is high in the sky. Colorful banners are flapping in the breeze. He's got a tub of popcorn in his lap, a Coca-Cola in a souvenir cup. And you're sitting next to him as he compares what he's seeing on the track to the Christian life. These are valuable lessons. Man, you're scribbling down notes. This is rich. And here's what Paul tells you, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. 
But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul draws four comparisons between the athlete and the Christian. First, an athlete exhibits incredible determination. Second, victory often hinges on thorough preparation. Third, look into that athlete's eyes as he competes, and you'll see a definite and an intense concentration. And then fourth, to win, an athlete has to avoid disqualification. Determination, preparation, concentration, and no disqualification. After the Corinthians read this passage, I'm sure they were glad that Paul had taken a day off to spend at the stadium. He challenges them and us that like an athlete, every Christian should be in it to win it. First, as followers of Jesus, we need to be full of determination. Verse 24 tells us, Do you not know that those who run in a race run all? But one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. You know, the modern Olympic creed was composed in 1908 by a man named Ethelbert Talbot. His creed stressed participation over victory. He wrote this, The most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win, but to take part. Just as the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is not to have conquered, but to have fought well. Well, that's a nice sentiment, but it wasn't the spirit of the ancient Olympics. In the original Olympics, the hometown was expected, they expected their athletes to dominate. Winning was everything. There were no ancient medals for second or third place. Participation trophies were unheard of. You either went home victorious are in disgrace. There was no dignity in mere participation. In fact, the ancient Olympics featured a sport known as pancration. It was a no-holds-barred form of fighting, sort of a human cockfight. It would make today's UFC and mixed martial arts look like a game of two-hand touch. Pancration was a vicious sport, choking and knee thrusts and strangling and limb wrenching and sand throwing were all routine. The only forbidden tactics were eye gouging and biting. The contest was over only when one contestant surrendered and tapped out or fell unconscious. Often contestants even died in the ring. One year, a warrior named Arikion won the contest, yet he was so severely wounded he died shortly after being crowned the champion. Don't tell Erikion there's honor simply in taking part. Here was a man who sacrificed his very life trying to win the prize. And realize God also doesn't give out consolation prizes. Life isn't Little League where everybody gets a trophy. We all need to go for the gold. We need to be in it to win it. Of course, realize how this plays out in the Christian life. It doesn't mean that we're all trying to beat each other out for the one gold medal. We all can win God's gold. There is a first prize for every Christian who is faithful to obey God's calling on his or her life. 
Believers are in competition, but not with each other. Our enemies are not our fellow runners on the race, but it's the evil inside and out that's trying to trip us up and tire us out. Every Christian who finishes his race faithfully receives a medal. But none of us will ever receive that medal if we don't make obtaining it our utmost desire. Just being forgiven, just making it to heaven is not enough. God wants each one of us to have an impact on our world. Too many Christians view salvation as just fire insurance. We want to avoid hell and go to heaven, but we're not doing anything to make a splash on earth. That's not how God wants us to approach life. We need to adopt the Olympic motto, three words, Sidious, Altius, Fortius, or swifter, higher, stronger. This should be every Christian's goal, swifter to obey, higher with our thinking, stronger in our faith. Over 40 years ago, United States Olympic coach Brutus Hamilton compiled a list of what he thought would be the ultimate achievements in track and field. He said no one would ever run a 9.2 second 100 yard dash or a 3 minute 57 second mile or throw a shot put more than 62 feet or high jump more than 7 foot 1 inch or long jump 27 feet or pole vault more than 16 feet. Today each of these barriers have been significantly shattered. And spiritually speaking, you too can go higher and last longer and be stronger than you once thought possible. All that holds us back is a flimsy faith. Here in chapter 9, Paul tells the Corinthians to stop toying with their faith. They need to get serious and be determined. We need to stop blaming our spiritual apathy and our compromises with sin on the pressures at work and our problems at home and the deficiencies within our church. So often we're like the tennis player who preferred doubles over singles. When asked why, he answered, well, when you play with a partner, you only have to do half the work and you got somebody else to blame. We need to stop blaming our spiritual shortcomings on stuff other than us. God is calling you to be an overcomer. Speaking of tennis, the great author Ash once said, everything in this game is within. In other words, success boils down to grit and heart and determination. And the same is true in the Christian life. Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you seek God's truth? Do you love God more than material stuff? Are you tired of getting ensnared by temptation? If not, You need to ask yourself if you're a Christian, or you need to ask God to light a fire in your heart for Him. Ultimately, there's one reason we live defeated lives, and that is we're contented to do so. A Christian needs to go for the gold. We need to add some determination to our faith. We need to be in it to win it. Well, second, our text tells us that Paul also understood the value of preparation. I like verse 25 in the Living Bible. It says, To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. Of course, today is the big Super Bowl Sunday 
for the Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain Volleyball League. It's a big day. It's going to be a big day out there in the sand. All season, teams have been competing for the seeding in today's tournament. And yesterday morning, very few people know this, but yesterday morning, the Saturday before the games really count, in the wee hours of the morning, before the dew had burned off the nets, guess who was spotted out there in the sand yesterday, training, getting ready for today? It was the Beckhamites. It was the Beckhamites. It was Blake, Marissa, DJ, Alyssa, Amanda Golly, Scott Baxter. I mean, the Beckhamites, these guys are in it to win it. They were training yesterday morning while those fat cat teams, like Team Salsameda and Team Rumba and Team Hanson and Team Kennington and Team Porter, we're lounging by the pool somewhere, sipping lattes. Team Beckham was getting in their final preparation. It was training day. My money today is on the Beckhams, trust me. Hey, the best prepare to win. How many of you guys have ever seen a Rocky film? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. I love Rocky. Before every fight, the Italian stallion would go through an intense season of training and discipline. He'd torture his body to get into max shape. He was either eating raw eggs or pounding a slab of beef or falling trees in Siberia. But Rocky won because he never cut corners. At fight time, he was prepared for battle. He would discipline his body and his mind. In fact, when the first Rocky movie came out, I was in high school, and I was also involved in sports. And I'll never forget watching that Rocky movie. I was so inspired. I started getting up every morning, cracking three raw eggs, putting them in a glass, and drinking them for my breakfast. Just like rock. My Spartan training regiment lasted all of 24 hours. <laughs> Who in their right mind likes raw eggs? But this is what Paul is all about here in verse 25. He says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That is, he exercises self-control in all things. And again, verse 27, he says, I discipline my body and bring it unto subjection. The Greek phrase translated discipline my body literally means I blacken my eye. Paul used severe, intense measures to prepare himself for what was ahead. Paul was no couch potato. He pushed his body. He got into shape for the battles he was called on to fight. Hey, if you're a Christian, God's Spirit has put it in your heart to obey and love God. But you need to discipline yourself to live out what Jesus has put in. Jesus transforms our spirit, but we then have to train our minds and our bodies. When I played football, the exercise I hated most was leg lifts. You'd lay on your back and you'd lift your heels six inches, only six inches off the ground. Man, your thighs were burning and aching. Your stomach muscles were tightening. Leg lifts were torture. And then for special effect, 
The coach would make us pummel our bellies with our fists. I have no idea if it did any good or not. Probably did it. It was more for psychological effect. But as you were lifting those legs and pounding your belly, man, you could just feel your summer softened body hardening into shape. Well, Paul says as Christians, we need to beat our bodies into playing shape. The old King James Version translates verse 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Keep my body body under what? Under the control of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that we need to keep our physical impulses under the command of our spiritual priorities and perspectives. There's a lot of confusion today in Christian circles about the role that discipline plays in discipleship. Does God or do I supply the discipline? When it comes to victory, does God do it for me or is it up to me? Galatians 5 lists self-control as a fruit or byproduct of the Holy Spirit. Thus, on the one hand, it seems fruitless to me to focus on disciplining myself. Galatians takes it one step further. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Paul is saying that it's our connection to God's Spirit and to His power that supplies us the moral elevation to live above our flesh. Thus, the way we overcome lustful appetites is not by resisting them in our own strength. We need to get caught up in the flow and power of the Holy Spirit. It's His upward thrust that transcends the downward pull of sin. Hey, God gives us the victory over sin the same way He gives us forgiveness from sin. It's not the result of our good works or our extreme discipline. It's by faith in Jesus' work on the cross and His Spirit's work in me. As in Zechariah 4 verse 6, victory is achieved not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And yet, how does this emphasis on faith fit with Paul's call for discipline here in 1 Corinthians 9? How do you square beating your body with walking in the Spirit? In other words, how do you reconcile leg lifts and simple faith? Well, here's the answer. The Holy Spirit is the source of an overcoming life, not my own discipline. But I have to stay disciplined long enough to stay at the source of my strength. Think of it this way. Let's say you're out lost in the desert. Your body's dehydrated from the scorching sun. You're dying of hunger and thirst. When suddenly the ground next to you opens up and a spring of refreshing water bubbles to the surface. A stalk with huge globes of delicious fruit pops out of the ground. I mean, it's a miracle. You've been saved by an obvious work of God. But what if after satisfying that initial thirst, you decide that camping next to this spring and this fruit are too restrictive for you? You figure there's got to be other sources of nourishment in such a huge desert. And so you move out, you branch out, you explore the cactus off in the distance, or you follow that snake that slithers by through the sand. Well, in the end, don't blame God when you get pricked by the cactus or or when you get led astray by the snake. You need the discipline to stay at the source. You see, this is what it means to abide in Christ. You don't wander off. 
You stay by the spring day in and day out. You learn to refresh your soul in God. Hey, if I were at death's door lying in the desert sands and suddenly God provided me a life-giving fountain, I wouldn't consider it extreme discipline on my part to keep my cup there under the water. In fact, I'd be stupid if I didn't. That's why whenever I hear a preacher imply that I need great self-control to be a Christian, I want to give up. The reason I need Christ is because I lack self-control. You don't need great discipline to be a Christian. You need just enough discipline to stay at the source and to abide in Christ. Cling to the Spirit and you'll receive the peace and joy and power that you need. When temptation to stray from God raises its ugly head, beat your body back into submission. Stay put. Then turn to the Holy Spirit and take a deep, long drink of the life-giving water. He'll prove to be sufficient. Trust me. And an Olympic athlete is one who knows about staying put. While in training, a world-class Olympian doesn't deviate. He sticks with his diet. He stays close to the gym. He keeps set hours and a strict schedule. The athlete is in the habit of foregoing what other people consider acceptable. A competitor in training gives up food and pleasures and activities that normally he would have the right to enjoy to obtain the goal to win the prize. Christians likewise need an in-training mentality. Remember earlier in chapter 6 verse 12, Paul told the Corinthians, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. You know, as a Christian, we have incredible liberty. I'm free to participate in whatever I choose. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. As a Christian, I have a purpose. That's to know Jesus and to be like Him. I've answered a higher call. So I choose to involve myself in only those activities that are going to help me achieve that goal. An athlete in training is home asleep while his buddies are out on the town. He's munching on bananas while his buddies are eating dessert. He's hard at work in the gym while his friends are lounging by the pool. He has the right to eat do the dessert and lounge by the pool, but he's laid aside his rights to pursue a higher call. There's a prize to win. And the same is true for a serious Christian. Reminds me of the kid on the high school track team. He asked his coach, Coach, can I smoke and still race? The coach told him, said, Sure, you can smoke and race, but you can't smoke and win. We need to ask ourselves, am I content to just run the race? Or am I in it to win it? Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Notice we're warned of two hindrances. Not just the sin that ensnares us, but the weight that drags us. You know, this may surprise you, but in the ancient Olympics, runners ran in the buff. They shed everything that could impede their movement or could create any kind of wind resistance. And this is what we should do as Christians. Not, not the naked part, but we need to streamline our lives. 
Spiritual weights are activities that aren't sinful per se. They're just not beneficial. They aren't bad options. But if our goal is to win, they're not the best option. I like how Ravi Zacharias defines a legitimate pleasure. He says, it's something that refreshes along the journey without distracting from the ultimate goal. You see, a weight is just the opposite. It might refresh, but in doing so, it takes on a life of its own. It gets in the way of godly priorities. It slows us down. It becomes a spiritual distraction. Before I know it, I'm toting a lot of unnecessary baggage. Are you carrying a lot of unnecessary baggage? Over the last few years, I've I've traveled quite a bit, and I've learned a principle. The enjoyment of my trip is in direct proportion to how light I pack. It's true. I scale down, man, when I travel. I've learned. Who needs underwear every day? You're gone. You can just turn those babies inside out and wear them another day. It's no big deal. Hey, there is a reason it's called luggage. It's sheer torture to be on the road lugging around a lot of luggage. And spiritually speaking, some of us need to unpack. We're carrying too much excess baggage. Hey, we need to take a moment to identify what's causing the drag on our spiritual progress. What commitment or pastime is sucking up our energy and resources without directing us and others to Jesus? Where are we investing our time without getting eternal results? When you identify a weight, then by all means lay it aside. For there is a prize to be won far greater than a gold medal or a green jacket, or a Heisman trophy. Paul says in verse 25, Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The Christian's reward never fades. I read something recently that surprised me. Do you know that Olympic gold medals are not really made of gold? They're 92.5% silver. Only six grams of gold. Isn't that amazing? Olympians make these colossal sacrifices all their life long to win a gold medal that's not actually gold. And the same is true in ancient times. Olympic champions received a laurel wreath, a perishable vine. It was actually a holly branch that wilted in a few days. And yet we as Christians have eternal rewards. We have available to us prizes that don't tarnish. How much more should you and I be willing to lay aside our rights to follow Jesus, to win victories for Him? Well, there's determination and there's preparation. And the third comparison Paul makes between the athlete and the Christian is their need for incredible concentration. Both need the ability to focus You know, today's pro athletes hire sports psychologists to help them pursue their goals. In the world of pressure-packed competition, the ability to concentrate at crunch time is what often distinguishes excellence from mediocrity. And the same is true for a Christian. We need to develop a keen concentration. Paul says in verse 26, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight 
not as one who just beats the air. The prize is too great. Too much is at stake. Our witness in God's glory is on the line. We can't waste an ounce of time or effort. Paul runs, not with uncertainty, he says. In other words, he doesn't stray off course. He never loses sight of the prize. Nor does he just beat the air. Paul was no shadow boxer. He made every punch count. Paul was surely in it to win it. Reminds me of the exhausted boxer who stumbled back to his corner at the end of the round. He asked his trainer, he says, have I done any damage? The corner man said, no, but keep swinging and the breeze might just give him a cold. (laughs) Beating against the air isn't the most efficient method of winning a fight. Years ago, I attended the Calvary Chapel Bible College out in Southern California. One weekend, a group of us went to Las Vegas to do some street witnessing. It's always fun to do street witnessing in Las Vegas. Well, while we were there, I also visited Caesar's Palace, which at the time was the place that hosted all of the big fights. Ali and Tyson were regulars at the Caesar's Sports Pavilion. And I'll never forget walking in one afternoon into this empty auditorium. Nobody was there. And so yours truly climbed into the ring. I even shadow boxed a little bit. Ever since then, I've been able to tell people I fought at Caesar's Palace. And I won. Yet many Christians I know have a spiritual life similar to my boxing career. All they do is shadow box. They just punch the air. They're taking up space. They're burning a lot of calories. They're doing a lot of stuff. They're just not getting anything done for God and for His kingdom. And it's because they lack the proper focus. They haven't zeroed in on the right priorities. There are a lot of distractions in this life that keep us from concentrating on spiritual pursuits. This is why we need to keep our eyes fixed on the prize. Too much hangs in the balance. Again, eternal rewards are at stake. Did you hear about the cross-eyed javelin thrower? His eyes would crisscross. He had a hard time concentrating on his throws. It was said of his career, he never won a medal, but he kept the crowd alert. (laughs) Our purpose as Christians is to know Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. It's to lead other people to Jesus. It's to help our church serve Jesus. We need to focus, friends. We can't get crisscrossed or distracted from our goal. If we lose our concentration, we'll lose our reward. Reminds me of another Olympian, Matt Emmons. He was a master marksman in the rifle competition. Matt was about to sew up the gold medal. All he needed was just to hit the target. He didn't even need another bullseye. He was so far ahead. Matt was standing in lane two, but for some reason, he made a rare mistake. He shot at the target in lane three. And it was a great shot. Good enough to win, but it was at the wrong target. He scored a big, fat zero. And rather than win the gold medal, Matt Emmons ended up eighth. And we all can aim at the wrong target. Where are you putting your effort? Where are you putting your energies? Are you you concentrated on the right target, on the prize of knowing Jesus Christ? 
Well, finally, a Christian needs determination, preparation, and concentration to avoid disqualification. In verse 27, Paul warns us, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Listen to a paraphrase of these verses. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. What a sad possibility. Telling everybody else about it, and then missing out myself. You see, we all are in danger of being disqualified. Don't misunderstand. Paul isn't suggesting that a poor performance will cause you to forfeit heaven. Everyone who trusts in the work of Jesus will be saved. But not everyone who works for Jesus will be called to the medal stand. You can live in such a way that disqualifies you from being used and rewarded by God. Think of the sprinter who wins the race but gets disqualified because he stepped out of his lane. Or the boxer who throws too many low blows, it costs him the points he needs. Or a swimmer who could have won handily, but she plunged into the pool a split second before the gun. What a tragedy. All that effort only to be disqualified. A few weeks ago it happened. After 145 years, it happened. A horse crossed the finish line at the Kentucky Derby only to be disqualified. In the last turn, the favorite, Maximum Security, ridden by jockey Luis Zaez, he veered off its line and blocked the horses to his right. The infraction cost owner Gary West millions of dollars and a famed victory. You see, it's not enough just to be the strongest and fastest horse in the race if you don't run the race by the rules. And likewise, you can be a talented servant for God. You can do much in God's name. But it's not just what we do that matters. It's how and why we do it. God's will should be done God's way. The end never justifies the means when it comes to Christian ministry. What a tragedy to work and sweat and train to win the prize, then have it snatched away because you took a shortcut or because you veered outside your lane. Seems that every Olympics these days has been spoiled by PEDs and blood doping. Athletes lose their medals because they choose to cut corners. They cheat. In every sport, you learn quickly that it's not just about winning. You have to win within the rules. And the same is true spiritually. We've been called not only to speak the gospel, but to live the gospel in our daily lives. We need to practice what we preach. Reminds me of the college football star. Sadly, after his first year in school, he was dismissed from the team because he failed to make passing grades. Someone asked the coach, this is going to be quite a loss. The coach answered, he said, yep, that boy could do everything with a football except autograph it. You see, great damage gets done by a Christian who professes more than he possesses. 
God has no other choice but to disqualify that person and put them on the shelf. I, for one, don't want to end up disqualified. I want to stay in the race. Hey, if you ever say a prayer for Pastor Sandy, I hope you pray that God will never allow me to do anything that would disqualify me from the race. That's my greatest fear. You know, on occasion, you hear of a sports team that chooses to tank. That rather than play their best, they settle for mediocrity or worse. By losing, they can get a higher draft choice and potentially better players in the future. But if you're a fan of that team, that's a tough pill to swallow. To watch your team not giving it their best. And it is a tough pill for God to swallow when he sees a Christian just going through the motions, not giving it his or her all, settling for mediocrity. This is a tough pill for God to swallow. God forbid that any Christian would tank. Rather, we need to excel. We need to be all that we can be for Jesus' sake. We need to be in it to win it. Let's make up our minds to lay aside the weights that drag us down. Let's start training our minds. Let's start building up our faith. Let's bring our bodies under subjection. Let's fight like we mean it and give it our all. Certainly, it'll take some determination and some preparation and obviously some concentration, and we'll need to avoid disqualification. But there is a race to win. If you're not a Christian this morning, you need to get in the race. And if you are a Christian, it's time you race to win. For all of us, let's be in it to win it.